Howard Lindzen is the founder and general partner at Social Leverage. All opinions expressed by Howard and podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinion of Social Leverage or StockTwits. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for decisions. Guests may maintain positions and securities discussed in this podcast. You know, hey! Hello, hello. I just got called in to count votes. Was <laughs> <laughs> that for the first count or the second count? I've got my socks off. My family. I'm just counting votes in Pima County or something. Sure. Yeah. You really? No. They want you? I'm no. turning in all kinds of TikTok voter fraud, though. <laughs> I'm sure you are. Yeah. Where they say we're a free country for now. It is uh, a big day. You right. know why it's a big day? Tell me. We have three people on the show. So many things can go wrong. I know. It's very exciting. <laughs> so I'm in Phoenix. Knut's in Phoenix. And one thing I talk about forever is this term QQQ over spy. You ever hear me say that? I do. No, you don't. No, oh, maybe you do. Yeah, I have. Yeah, I'm in the back room. I'm cutting my toenails or something. I go, oh, why didn't I buy more QQQ? <laughs> and I put down my nail clippers and, and I buy some more QQQ. No, that's never happened. I don't even know why I said that. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, I have this thing where I'm like last 10 years. I'm like when people ask me and they, they talk about index. And I just say, make sure you're QQQ over spy. And I didn't know this, but I was talking to my friend. I got an email out of the blue from Alan Schoenberg. Right. Alan's an old friend of mine. Good old Alan. And he's now at the NASDAQ. And uh, he said the QQQ, I didn't know that the NASDAQ was a distributor. I didn't know how well this all works. Because guess what? I'm just not that bright. And I don't ask a lot of questions. I'm very not curious. Yeah, that's you. Anyways, enough about me. So, so your host is not curious, shameless. So Alan sends me an email. He goes, oh, we've got two new QQQ, this, the children of QQQ. So immediately I'm like, whoo, perked up, put my clippers down. And I called, uh, uh, who did I call? Alan, I think. <laughs> so I called Alan. I go, Alan, wow, we got to get these guys. All I do is talk about these these things. I didn't know Invesco. I didn't know the whole spiel together. Right. So I'm I went right to the source today, and I've got Sean, John, John, Sean, Sean and John, John and Sean. Don't know what order. You've written it down for me 10 times. But I've got John and Sean, who are not related, but have man at the last of their name. Close to Jensen, but no, it's M-A-N. So it's John Hoffman from Ambesco. Ambesco is a huge firm. I did not know this, but they are the father of QQQ or the mother. And it is like the ETF of all ETFs. Right. In the focus of the last, as the NASDAQ, you know, and COVID, you know, don't you know? uh, Of course. My Minnesota voice. They are the father of the QQQ. And Sean Wasserman, not to be confused with John Hoffman, uh, no, now I'm Are you confused, confused now? He's at the NASDAQ. And so I got them all together. Fantastic. A smorgasbord of QQQ discussion because there's some new products that they launched together. So are you excited now? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> so I, I like to tell people to keep it simple. You know, you, you can buy your Google and you can buy your Apple and you can buy your Facebook. You can buy your fangs. But the QQQ is a hundred of the top Technology, healthcare, biotech stocks. And so we're going to dive a little deep into that and talk about their new products. So we're here to talk about the new versions of QQQ. So let's get John on the phone first. How's that? Did I get that right? Yes. Johnny! Hey, how are you? Thanks for having me today. My intro is a little long. You have 30 seconds. 
No, I'm kidding. All right. The, uh, <laughs> and then should we get Sean? Sure. Should we get Sean on? Sean! Don't tell John, John, yes. what we just said about him. Shawnee! Hello. All right, I'm going to mix you guys. I've butchered everything so far, but at least you're on the air talking to Howard Linden. We're going to talk QQQ, Invesco, and obviously the new QQQ product. So even though I introduced John first, actually, I'm going to start with John. Can you tell me just a little bit about, I mean, you are in charge of ETFs uh, and the QQQ here. So, so tell a little bit, people, about Invesco and how long the QQQ has been around and how it's made and then the new product. All of that. All right, good. Yeah, you know, and I love the comments on the front end here. And, and just by way of introduction, uh, you know, Invesco is a global independent asset manager, uh, really serving all segments of clients around the world. So we manage a little north of $1.2 trillion uh, and, and really focused on, you know, helping people get more out of life uh, through a, a better investment experience. And the QQQ is, is one of our flagship products uh, that we, we launched in partnership with the NASDAQ. Uh, you know, 20 years ago, and you look at where we are today, uh, all of the different investor types that participate in that ETF with $140 billion in AUM today, uh, as, as I'm looking at it right now. Um, and, and really, you know, I think that the big story here, even beyond the cues, is just how the ETF as a delivery mechanism for investors, you know, has really transformed, uh, you know, the way portfolios are built and, and capital is allocated. And the Qs has been, a, you know, in, in many ways launched the, the, the ETF industry. I wasn't the first ETF, but, um, you know, in 1999, uh, when it came to market, you know, it really, you know, brought together so many different investor types, retail, individual investors, institutions, all together in this one, to your point, simple way of buying 100 innovative companies, right? Versus having to buy, you know, or pick a, a particular security, you can buy them all in one package capability. And that was appealing 20 years ago. And, and we continue to, um, you know, pull on that thread a, a little more. And, and, and as you mentioned, we've added to that lineup uh, and really providing investors more ways to, to simplify the investment in innovation. And that's it. It's it's about investing in innovation. I did not know QQQ was was 1999. It was March of uh, of 99. So uh, you know, certainly uh, an interesting time in the markets when you think about the the tech. Uh, you know, what, what we were just about to walk into from a technology standpoint there. Um, but going back to the the inception there, I'm just looking at the date. You know, March 10th, 1999. And I think what's so interesting is. You know, you have the tech wreck that comes out of that very, you know, right afterwards. You have all of these different crises over the last 20 years, and the product just keeps growing and continues to accelerate. Um, and so each of those challenges have actually brought more and more investors to the product. Um, and I think that really speaks to the, uh, you know, the power of, of this simplistic way of gaining exposure to the markets. And so on the NASDAQ front, Sean, so you're the distress. So how does it work, the relationship between an Invesco and a NASDAQ here? And uh, you, so, sorry, you know what? And give yourself a little, just tell people a little bit about what you do at the NASDAQ and how you guys work together. Sure. So, I mean, they, they very much kind of go hand in hand, um, you know, being the index provider, you know, behind the ETFs and, you know, like our partnership with, you know, like Invesco. You know, but overall, you know, like as an index provider, you know, we're providing what you would call, you know, like a paper portfolio, which where we're designing it so that, you know, it could, could be investable. So, as you know, the NASDAQ 100 you know, dating back all the way to, you know, the 1985 kind of was brought to life through this amazing investment product of the ETF. 
um, you know, very much kind of, you know, the brainchild of you know, John Jacobs uh, here, at, who spent a long time here at NASDAQ and kind of dreamed up the, the thought of bringing it to market as an investable product, uh, kind of, you know, the next stage of kind of basically the NASDAQ spider, I think was what it was called internally back when they're, you know, getting the project first going in the late 90s. Um, but yeah, so we you know produce basically you know, a rules based portfolio of you know, kind of what is you know could make up within the index Nasdaq 100 very simply just the largest 100 non financial companies you know listed on Nasdaq and then from a relationship standpoint with you know like Invesco is you know the product provider you know we basically just provide that data you know what companies are in the index on a day and day basis and then they're able to package that up and offer that as an ETF that people could, you know, buy and sell on the exchange. Huh. Now, I think the key term that I, out of all of this, and you guys could help me here, is not, you said non-financial. So in a world where like MasterCard exists and, and uh, you know, potentially if Visa gets Plaid or PayPal and Square and potentially Stripe, are those excluded from the NASDAQ 100? We go very rules based. And so, you know, there's an industry classification system that we rely on. There's two main in the industry. Um, one we use is called ICB that very much will just, you know, third party independent define, you know, what is a financial company or was a technology company. So if they point and say it's become at least 50% of its revenues are derived from, say, financial services, then, you know, it could just automatically then becomes excluded from the index. That's interesting. You may have to change that in the in the world of fintech, but or not. I mean, it's just one of your rules. Yeah, that's with the thing with indexing is it's designed to you know stand the test of time. So you design rules that you know will capture that portfolio and you know remain kind of you know that strategy that you're looking to employ uh, in the index. So so John, let's go back now because you said one point two trillion. So so people don't. I mean, the math is staggering. So you know, twenty percent pullback in the Nasdaq, and you've just lost, wiped away two hundred, almost three hundred billion dollars, just evaporate, right? Have you guys ever asked for a recount? You said the Nasdaq We'd like to recount. We're off by a billion here or there. I mean, how easy is it to just slip out of that place in Vesco with a billion just stuffed in your pocket, hidden in QQQ? <laughs> Look, you know what, I I think we have, um, you know, a lot of energy and resource, Um, you know, that the scale at 1.2 trillion really gives us the ability to invest in all of those controls um, and the methodology and technology to to, to safeguard those assets um, and ensure that that we have the right uh, risk oversight in place. I think that that's one of the differentiated aspects of the business at that size, Howard, is you know, we can um, and do spend all of the money around security, uh, you know, information security and technology security to safeguard the asset base. And, and I think that, you know, the partnership um, going to the ETF product where it's it's multi-layered, right? So we, we invest with partnership with NASDAQ, what we're talking about today around the QQQ. Um, those, those assets are actually custodied at the Bank of New York. Um, so the Bank of New York is 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 you know doing the um, uh, you know ultimately the safeguarding of of those particular securities every day all day long and I think that that is actually what is so transformational in this technology is all of the different parties that play specific roles. So Sean's firm, you know, at NASDAQ in this instance is the exchange, right? The listing exchange, they're the index provider. Um, You know, if you go back to 1999, uh, there was a market maker, you know, day one making markets in QQQ. There's all sorts of market makers today 
uh, hundreds of them making markets real time in QQQ, you know, all sorts of participants. I think that's actually, you know, what it's the modernization here. You're not dealing with a single, um, you know, entity. You're dealing with all of these different players in the ecosystem that create that safeguarding. And I think that's actually the, uh, you know, the really powerful aspect of, of this product and this wrapper and this delivery mechanism. And, you know, when I started at, at Invesco, our, our asset business, our ETF business was, uh, was around $3 billion. And today it's, it's $300 billion. So we've seen clients really, you know, appreciate this ecosystem and the efficiency that it provides in investing, right? So think back to 1998, you wanted to buy those 100 securities, you know, you're going in and opening up orders and entering orders and paying commissions on each buy and sell. And then all of a sudden on March 10th, you wake up and you can buy all 100 securities with one click of the button, right? That's, that's you know, significant. And now what we've watched over the last 20 years is liquidity has built there. I mean, this thing traded, you know, today's just a, a random day in November. And we, you know, it's, I'm looking at the tape right now, $10.3 billion changed hands in the QQQ today. I was I was busy today. Otherwise, it'd be higher. <laughs> <laughs> We're looking for you. Uh, so, so I mean, '98. I was fuck. I was putting money in like front end loaded Garrett von Wagner's mutual fund to get exposure to the Nasdaq. God, no one knew what the technology was or the internet was, let alone what QQQ was. What so do we know? What QQQ stood for? What it stood for. So it's the, it's the ticker. Um, you know, well, I know it's the ticker, but what did Q, why Qs? I forget. Sean, do you have that history? I was actually reading the, the chapter from John Jacobs just this morning on some of the history with it. And remember, it was actually almost named just Q and it was between Q and QQQ. And Q had very much having to do more with the brand association with NASDAQ itself, oh, got I it. believe. Okay, that's cool. I mean, what a brand. Because when I think of cues, I just think of like a cool thing. So I didn't know the John Jacobs story. So two things. I'm not even curious, but I was forced to learn two things today. All right. So why? I mean, the valuation have gotten so big. So I'm so excited about these new ideas because I talk about my eight to 80 and I talk about up and comers and I've got my friend all-star charts talking about the two to 100. And sure enough, we're putting together this list of what companies that could one day make it into the QQQ and then boom. You guys steal my thunder, Sean, John, and you come up with two new tickers. So let's talk about the babies of QQQ, what they are and why, why we started. I'll let either one of you chime in, just shout your name, John. Sure. I can, I can start. Yeah. So, you know, I think right now, especially during this, this pandemic we're in this idea of investing in innovation and in growth companies, you know, it's, it's never been more relevant, right? We've all um, you know, seeing innovation right in front of us over the last couple of months here and experienced it in our, our regular lives. And, you know, as we talk to more clients, um, if I were to draw a, a parallel here to, to cars and trucks or, um, you know, other industries, they all get you from point A to point B. But, you know, there's cars that focus on gas efficiency. There's cars that focus on, you know, the luxury segment or standard or sedan. And what we heard from clients was they wanted more choice, more ways to access these innovative companies. Um, and so QQQ at $140 billion, you know, fits a, a very important part of the market. Uh, but we heard from, you know, more retail investors, buy and hold types uh, that wanted more ways to access this. And so the QQQ M, uh, M is in mini. It's mini in that it has a lower fee, um, so its expense ratio is lower. It's also mini in its share price. So, 
you know, it's trading at about $120 a share. So slightly more approachable for, you know, people buying single shares, um, you know, versus the QQQ at $290 a share. We also extended beyond that. We brought, as you were just alluding to, QQQJ, which which we call the juniors, um, the junior Qs. This is essentially the next 100 names, the next 100 most innovative securities. So for, for investors that you know wanted that large cap tilt to the NASDAQ 100, the NASDAQ 100 index, QQQ, QQQM, uh, you know, fit the bill there. And then those that wanted the mid cap tilt, the next, the up and comers as, as we're thinking about them, uh, QQQJ can round out that allocation. And then Howard, we, we extended it even beyond the ETF wrapper into mutual fund, um, into unit investment trust, providing more ways for investors to uh, get exposure in you know in a very simple way uh, to the hundred most innovative companies uh, and the next hundred as well. And that's what this was all about. Um, you know, providing more choice to to customers. Huh. And then, so uh, John, is this your department's idea that comes up with this? You know what? It's it's um, it, it, this is a collaborative discussion. So Sean and I and and the Nasdaq team and the Invesco team, you know, through dialogue, through client interaction, I, we always start with the client, right? And and we had heard from clients, you know, this idea of getting into the mid cap space. Um, and and you know, a lot of these things are I would say are hiding in plain sight, right? It it becomes incredibly obvious when we bring it. You know, it's been in the market now for for nearly a month and has you know been incredibly successful. Uh, nearly half a billion dollars already. Um, you know, so we see the appetite, but it's it's you know, Howard. I think a lot of times it's it's the really simple things that are right in front of us that look obvious after we've after they're in the market. Um, but there was a lot of discussion and debate and and you know and and uh, research and client discussion to to make sure we were onto something here. That you know, so it wasn't just a an aha moment. Now that we're in market and you look at it. You know, again, it's obvious, right? Uh, of course, the next 100. Um, you know, of course, more iterations of the QQQ, but but it wasn't obvious to us. You know, um, you know, this was all through iterative dialogue and 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 client insight uh, that got us to this point. Interesting. And and so, what have you learned? Like, so so half a billion. So would we say how many billion already? In half a billion in so, the two, the the new QQQJ and the QQQM. And so, are they equal weighted? Sean, do you want to talk well, not, about that? Yeah, not not equal weighted, but the thing to keep in mind with QQQJ is you know the next gen 100s. Very simple construction. Picture it as built in the same type of way that Nasdaq 100 is built, where that's the top the largest 100 companies, uh, non-financial companies listed on Nasdaq, where the next gen 100 follows the same exact methodology and just takes the next. 100 non-financial companies listed on NASDAQ. And you you would likely say, you know, the kiss, keep it simple, stupid of, you know, the approach to, you know, how we would want to capture the strategy. Um, like John was saying, it was kind of sitting right in front of us. And as we were going through the testing and building the index with that very straightforward approach, you know, like it dawned on us around how we're really able to kind of capture the companies that were moving up and then eventually becoming the juggernauts in the NASDAQ 100, but being able to hold them earlier on and at a higher weight. So although not equal weighted, you know, the next gen 100, you know, like there's a lot more of an even distribution of the size of the companies that are in the index. So when a company is coming in, uh, you're able to hold it at a relatively higher weight. Uh, so companies like 
Tesla and Netflix and Lululemon and DocuSign that you know like have kind of come through the net the next gen 100 kind of over the years. You know, like we've been able to kind of hold it at a higher weight, um, enjoy that kind of you know that ride up as those companies kind of launch their way into the Nasdaq 100. Uh, otherwise, you know, like they would as they enter Nasdaq 100, they have a bit of a lower weight coming in. So it's a very nice complement in kind of holding side by side with the Qs. When does it rebalance? Uh, exactly a long line with uh, the NASDAQ 100. So, you know, like every December, the you know, third Friday in December, you know, like we'll look at the reconstitution. Uh, so, you know, we'll look at the companies that are making it the, into the NASDAQ 100 of the top 100 non-financial companies. And then, you know, like all those that are not in the NASDAQ 100 that are the next will be in the next gen 100. Um, you know, throughout the year, there's only changes that would really occur um, resulting from M&A. So it's really just that once a year annual relook at things. All right, so let's talk about new technologies. Talk about like all the new brokerages, the the robos and the international, the fractional, you know. Uh, so how are you finding it with these young kids, the Robin Hooders, the 13, 15 million new people are you marketing to them or is it just getting out is it just happening organically are you seeing young people adopt this or are they more stock pickers can you tell so to some degree we can we can tell howard yeah we, we you know given that it trades through the exchange the transparency is not perfect um I, I know your involvement with with robin hood obviously that data was was being published for some period of time and you know we could track our etf utilization oh you know, right right segment. right robin track got it um, and, and one of our, you know, and we, we did see some anomalies there and, and you mentioned TikTok, so I'll go there for a moment. You know, um, we, we saw an anomaly in Robinhood whereby one of our less popular strategies had a, had a very high ownership. Huh. And, you know, as we started to drill into the research, what we actually found was a, was a very, you know, an influencer on TikTok that had promoted a particular strategy to buy this particular ETF. And it, it went from, you know, being held in 6,000 accounts to 90,000 accounts over the course of the one month that that video really, really took off. So, you know, I think that really is eye opening um, when you think of the new world and, you know, the, the way that, in, you know, consumers make decisions and engage with the product. And, you know, I think in a lot of ways, ETFs, we think are, are, are a truly, you know, technological innovation um, in the way that, you know, clients are, are accessing markets and building portfolios. Um, you know, a lot of the data that we've looked at shows a higher propensity to own ETFs in the millennial segment vis-a-vis uh, -vis other demographics and, and how they engage with our content on our website. You know, so we are thinking about those markets more and more and more every day. Um, and I think that really what's, what's fascinating is, you know, when you bring all that together in, you know, so QQQ, as I said earlier, traded $10 billion today. That is individual investors buying, you know, you know buying one share. Um, that is pension funds, you know, uh, allocating for, for, you know, the, a period of time. That's hedge funds. That's financial advisors. You know, it's hedge funds shorting it. Um, you know, financial advisors, trading desks that are trading this versus futures. And that is what I think is, is the, you know, the, the major breakthrough here on all of this is bringing all of those investors together in one democratic um, you know, vehicle with all these different use cases and preferences, that's what's driving the efficiency, Howard. And, and we actually talk a lot about the network effects in ETFs um, that we've mapped out, these, these 10 
network effects. And I know you with your, your background in technology uh, and your listeners, you know, uh, uh, knowledge of network effects, you know, QQQ really started the first network effects in ETFs, bringing institutions mm. and, and, and then individual investors and then financial advisors, all of these different types of investors coming together is what makes this such an efficient delivery vehicle. And then you referenced a moment ago, fractional share ownership and, and, and the development of, you know, um, no free trading and, and how that's transformed this landscape. All of that is playing very strongly into the ETF uh, wrapper as an access vehicle uh, for developing better, better portfolios. Interesting. And so it's easy to understand. So what can go like in March, right? Cause you got the hedge funds, you got panic, you have selling. Is there, is there a scenario where it's chaos because you, you've got to match everything or do we just have to just trust that it works? You know, well, you know, you hear about like the chaos scenarios where you got to match everything up and people hitting the sell button at the same time. Is that why it helps to have the NASDAQ and Invesco and all these counterparties in this so they can tear it all apart and then match everything up? Yeah, I, I think it's about fair markets and transparency and in the electronification, um, you know, of, of markets, right? And so what I mean by that is, you know, at any second during the day, the QQQ has a bid and an offer and somebody's standing ready to buy and sell that. And let's just make something up here, a scenario where just to, to illustrate, I think, the power of this. Let's just say Google, you know, which is a big holding in the queues, um, had some news pending in the stops trading, just as a scenario here. It's a big weight in QQQ. So the queues continues to trade. What's happening now is the market is actually pricing synthetically through the queues where Google is going to open when it opens up next. Amazing. Right? So the is there like a little guy with a calculator or is it happening in real time? That, that's happening in real time. That's buyers and sellers, all of those different participants coming together and saying, I'm willing to buy here and sell here. And I think that's the power. It's the electronification of these markets, real time with risk. And it's the crowdsourcing, right? It's, it's people saying, well, okay, synthetically that person or, you know, the, the top of the order book is pricing Google at, you know, plus this or minus that when it reopens. And it's somebody else with a different risk model pricing it differently. That's where you get the efficiency. And, you know, we always, we always say you don't have to, you know, sell during these periods of, of, of um, stress, but if you want to, unlike other, you know, ways of accessing the market, you can. And I think that that's where, you know, again, Every time we see catastrophic, you know, market events, more investors come to the ETF product because it's a, a, a very efficient way to gain exposure, whether it's fixed income, um, you know, alternatives, queues, uh, all of these different, um, you know, mechanisms for delivery. And, you know, I, I think that that shows the efficiency there, um, you know, of, of, of where risk clears. Yeah, I, I, you know, as a somewhat professional, I'm like a stock guy, but in chaos, when the VIX is above 40, I only look to own the indexes until things calm down because I just want, I trust the electronification of the biggest asset out there. So that's cool. But it's not an overnight success. Like you said, it's over 20 years. So um, can anybody just come up with an idea inside Invesco or what's the process for an ETF? So, yeah, we have a, a very rigorous product development um, group that, you know, that, that meets that's multidimensional across, you know, all, really all different layers. You know, today we have 220 ETFs listed here in the United States. Uh, we have, you know, ETFs listed in, in Canada and in all parts of, of Europe and, and, and really throughout the world. And so, you know, we're, we're really responding to investor demand. 
Um, you know, that, that's really a, a big piece of the product development process. Um, and, and ultimately, this is about, you know, empowering investors to allocate capital more, more efficiently. And so, uh, you know, through time, we've, we've developed these products and, and we see them, you know, implemented in all sorts of, of different ways, oftentimes, you know, far beyond what we initially even thought they would do. Um, and when we talk to clients and hear their use cases, you know, there's sometimes cases we didn't anticipate. Um, and I think, again, that's where the power of building these, these technologies, um, you know, kind of uh, the value of that really accrues to the, the end consumer, the end investor. So what, what is the J, when you say mid cap, what is the market cap for those? So let me get some perspective to people. You know what, John, do you have that data I readily available, the, the capitalization? I, I do, actually. Okay, uh, <laughs> I was pulling that up here. One second. Let's see. We've got market caps, uh, next gen 100, um, weighted average. Let's see here. 15 billion average 12 and a half so a lot larger than say like the equivalent say s&p mid cap 400 which, which would, would be, probably be you know, weighted average billion. around six six billion got it yeah so it's definitely more of that upper mid cap type not your regular you know, kind of smaller cap range mid cap yeah it's just amazing how big everything's going it could just be the money because I'm trying to find companies in the three to five billion tech, you know, like stitch fixes and the far fetches that are under under ten billion and going on their way to fifty billion. So there's still room for Invesco to come further downstream, but I guess it's about liquidity or or, or how come you haven't come down and done a smaller cap one? Or it's just a time eventually it will. Yeah, and and you know, I think I want to go back to a point too, and Howard, that you made a second ago about you know this technology is not brand new, right? And and I want to pick up on that for a moment because because really the first ETF goes back to '93, so that the market itself here in the U.S. you know is is 27 years old. And what's fascinating is that you know to your point, um, you know the growth didn't all just come day one. And and you know I'm I'm curious, right? Is that a function of financial products, even though you see this being a better implementation? You know, it's not tangible. I can't, it's not like an iPhone. I can pick up and feel it and, and see that it's going to be better. I have to experience that through time. And, and now we're seeing 27 years in, you know, we're still probably in the early innings of this, this space at 5 trillion in the U.S. Um, and so as you, you know, kind of picking up on your question on capitalization, um, you know, we do have a, a whole series of small cap um, and, and, you know, even in one instance, a micro cap. But we do have to be very cognizant of, as you pointed out, the liquidity profile, um, the ability to, you know, seamlessly execute uh, the underlying basket and the impact that that would have. Um, and so, you know, when we're developing the product, that's, those are certainly constraints that we're thinking about. Um, again, you know, the focus is always on developing something, um, you know, that, that, that makes it easier uh, for people to, to allocate capital and build better portfolios. And so that's, you know, a big piece of, of what we think about when we're developing new products. That's very cool. So if I call you and I said, listen, QQQH, it's a QQQ <laughs> for Howard. It's probably just going to get quickly rejected. You know what, Howard, if you have a billion dollars ready to go, we'll launch it. All right. So there's a, there is a play. So, so Bezos could come in tomorrow. I just want QQQA, which is just basically by Amazon through Invesco and through Stocktoots. But he has a billion bucks to seed it. That'll work. You could call that the custom index. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I, I just feel like QQQ covers everything that I want to know. And now the QQQJ, 
covers everything I really need to know about tech. It gives us a blanket coverage on what's on people's minds and the products that people are using. So I think it's still early days. That's why I was excited to get you guys on the show. What have I missed, Sean, that you could tell me about this NASDAQ Invesco partnership? Um, I, I think just the breadth of the partnership, really. I mean, what we have together with the innovation suite, with the Qs and QQQJ is you know, a huge part of what we have, but it's also... Um, kind of one small piece of a variety of innovative things that we've done together over the years. Um, there's a number of, you know, kind of additional products that we also have together. Um, we have a suite of indexes and ETFs together that are what we call dividend achievers that are essentially, you know, companies that have consistently grown their aggregate dividend year over year over the last 10 years. Um, you know, that's been quite a successful product line we've had in the market. And another one in particular that, you know, like maybe I'll kick over to John to also talk about is, you know, bullet shares. Uh, you know, bullet shares has been one of the most innovative kind of suites of products that NASDAQ has had out in the market um, in the fixed income space, you know, solving the solution for providing target maturity products uh, that were instead of investing in an individual bond, you're able to have diversified exposure across an overall class, such as investment grade uh, U.S. corporates or high yield U.S. corporates, or since the partnership was coming together, kind of expanding that out to areas such as emerging markets or munis. So, you know, and we continue to talk about new areas that we could go into together. That's awesome. Amongst others. John, did I miss anything about the new product? No, I think we, we uh, covered it well. I mean, I think picking up on Sean's comments there, you know, the partnership with Invesco and, and NASDAQ, um, you know, I think both of us really looking at innovation uh, at Invesco, we have you know, really pioneered this ETF space of value added product, uh, this concept of, of intelligent indexing. Um, and, and obviously, uh, you know, what we talked about today, you know, more ways to access, you know, innovative companies, whether it's the, the large cap or the mid cap. And, and we're going to continue to provide investors ways to build better portfolios and allocate capital more efficiently. Well, I learned a lot. Canute, did you learn? Yes, I did. You're a QQQ I, man. I usually try to learn something every day. Today, I've learned enough for a week. <laughs> All right. So <laughs> John, John and Sean, uh, have you guys even met? Sean, to me and Sean? Oh, yeah. Uh, quite a bit. <laughs> but Invesco's in, in Denver, right? No, we are based out of Atlanta. Uh, our global headquarters are in Atlanta. Um, I'm based in Chicago. Sean's in New York. But we, we definitely spend a good amount of time together. All right. Well, yeah. congrats. Lots of Zooms the last number of months. Know, but it's, looking it's forward to But Zoom's in yeah. the QQQ, right? That's probably the fastest company ever to get in there. I wonder what the fastest company ever to go into the QQQ is, but I guess it's hard to measure. I guess you're going to have to, now you'll know the fastest company that ever went from QQQJ into the QQQ. I guess we'll be able to track that. Yeah. But Zoom, what an amazing story that is. All right, gentlemen, I'm sure there's going to be more stories as COVID continues to unfortunately rage and people's habits get cemented. I mean, obviously this has just been in the unintended consequence, as we said, is the QQQ and in the, the inevitability of technology. So we'll, hopefully we'll get you guys back on the show. And thanks to you, John, and thanks to Sean for explaining it to everybody here. Thank you. Thanks so, for having us. All right, gentlemen. Thanks it. for having us on. Talk to you soon. Take care. KKK nut. Well, I can't say yeah. KKK. The QQQs. <laughs> the Canute Fund. The KKK Fund. Yeah. So it's interesting. It's John Jake is just a dude. And the Q from the NASDAQ didn't know that story. Huh. Well, I humored myself 
as usual. Oh, that's but good. you have to scratch these itches because QQQ is a part of my life. And um, just got my curiosity going from, uh, from, what's his name? From NASDAQ. Oh, Sean. <laughs> oh, senior moment. Why am I struggling with names? It's really bothering me. People know. are seeing me completely age uh, during this this podcast from March. You have, you're, you're, you're literally aging in front of my eyes. No, but it's fun to have my contemporaries involved in this stuff and, and see the amount of money flowing to it. But it's not an overnight success. It's just the, the mantra and the product actually works. You know, mm-hmm. Everybody talks about the S&P 500, but it really is the NASDAQ 100 that's carrying the torch into the future. So we're ground floor with the QQQJ. All right, my man, this is uh, Panic with Friends. We do this occasionally where we have, you know, where we go deep inside the product. But uh, Invesco is quite an entrepreneurial firm. But generally on the show, we talk to the founders and we talk to the entrepreneurs and we talk to the traders and investors. But once in a while, we go behind the scenes to just kind of explain the products that uh, fascinate me and and our audience. We uh, are on twice a week. You can go to Google, you can go to Spotify, you can go to Apple, search Panic with Friends, search my name. And uh, thanks, Canute, for putting this together. Thanks to StockTwits for uh, making all this happen and distributing it. And uh, we'll see everybody soon.